Hi guys, I'm Tomo. Welcome to Tomo Talks. Today we are going to be talking to Dr. Joseph Clark. He is the medical director of Aspire Rejuvenation Clinic both in Pittsburgh and in Orlando. We're going to talk about health and hormones. We're going to talk about disrupting the medical industry and we're going to talk about how we can help you live better, live longer, and just live a happier life. Stay tuned. Dr. Joseph Clark, welcome to Tomo Talks. Even though you and I talk almost every day, uh, obviously you're my business partner up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You're the medical director of Aspire Rejuvenation Clinics, uh, both here in Florida and in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about some hormones. We're going to talk about some general health. I want uh, to talk about some uh, historical information about you, how you got in this space, and kind of tell everybody what our vision is uh, for the medical industry with Aspire Rejuvenation. Uh, like you said, we've been talking and we've been together, working together now. It's been a couple years now. I think I just had a, a notification on my phone on one of the social media accounts that it was like two years or three years or so ago we started doing stuff together. And, um, you know, it was kind of a weird thing. You know, we just kind of had similar interests. I, I got into this space because... You know, I've been a physician for 20 plus years. I got out of residency in uh, 2004, been a doctor since 2000, um, you know, traditionally trained uh, medical school here in the United States, uh, LECOM in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm an osteopathic physician. We have kind of a holistic outlook as opposed to the allopathic route or the MDs, but nonetheless, traditional practice, emergency medicine, board certified, residency trained doc, and still clinically practice in emergency medicine, but got into this space because, you know, I hit my late 30s, early 40s, and the wheels kind of fell off, and I started feeling really lousy. Um, you know, I was doing, you know, routine exercises, watching what I eat, organized exercise, and still was not nearly getting to the, th the point where I thought I should be. And so, you know, I try not to manage my own health. So I saw my doctor who, you know, you know, begrudgingly got some blood work as I was kind of suggesting that maybe there's something off with my levels. And um, they came back, quote unquote, normal. Um, when I say that, you know, I'm sure a lot of patients recognize when I say that in that the scale for male testosterone is, you know, 300 or 200 or whatever it is to a thousand and it doesn't matter whether you're 20 or 100 years old it's the same for everybody and if you fall under that quote normal range that people you know physicians in the most part won't treat that and so the issue is that i find is that you know a lot of what physicians do in clinical practice is dictated by what insurance will pay for. And so it's just not one of those things that's routinely covered. Now, that being said, like I said, I, I got into this space because I was a patient. I, my levels came back kind of on the crummy side. I was symptomatic. And I went through the whole gamut of, you know, working, trying to work with my primary care doctor who admittedly didn't know much about 
hormone replacement. What were your levels, if you don't mind me asking? What were low three hundreds, I think. Um, so not like super horrible, but not great. Mm-hmm. And I tell patients all the time, the majority of men that seek us out are probably in that two, three, four hundred range, uh, where they start getting symptomatic, and that's kind of right where I was. And you know, I was given the whole, oh, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're, you know, have stress, maybe you need an anxiety medication, and I'm like, I'm not stressed. I'm an emergency doctor. I don't. I do stress every day this is not part of you know this something is wrong and um you know it wasn't until i like i said i I worked with my primary care doctor tried to figure it out through them um they prescribed it begrudgingly um did it wrong um put me on a huge dose every two weeks i was riding the roller coaster of you know huge surges of testosterone then major surges of estrogen and crashing and just felt awful and was just about ready to come off of everything um and I started working with a telemedicine clinic, much like what we do. Um, it was not the greatest of clinics. Um, and, you know, had a pro- proper protocol, but some of the customer service slash provider knowledge slash, you know, whatever was lacking. And so, you know, I found that, well, okay, this is better. I'm at least on better scheduled meds but now like there's no direction i'm like this is crazy so i started saying you know i could do better than this um and you know i started getting more interested in it started getting more educated in it taking some further education we started to connect Mm -hmm. i said you know hey i want to do something here in pennsylvania um and I know this side of it, but don't know that side of it in terms of the business aspects. You knew that side of it, um, and so it was a good it was a good matchup, and so that was kind of the birth of you know our endeavor here in Pennsylvania, and further stuff that we've done you know with the business in in Orlando and you know future plans throughout. Um, you know, like I said, I I try to stay out of the business space just because as a doc, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here. I tell patients all the time. I'm not here to sell you stuff. I'm here to educate you, give you good information, help you make an informed decision about what you want to do for your health. If you want to do it, great. I'm here to help you. If you don't, then by all means, that's your decision. You know, good luck to you. There's a lot of clinics out there that don't have that philosophy. I think that you know it's profits over patients. We say that a lot. You know, and we I saw it firsthand as a patient. Like. You know, I was I was trying to be talked into a whole bunch of stuff that I probably didn't need or want. And, um, you know, like I said, I just felt it was a little sketchy. And and I like to say that, you know, I, I feel very prideful in that we do things a little differently and that we try to do the right thing for the patient, try to give them good advice. I don't try to sell them things. I try to give them good information that they can, you know, feel better. I mean, our goal is to help them feel better and that they'll be a longstanding patient with us because they trust us. They feel better. They don't feel pressured. They don't feel like we're doing things that are on the fringe of, you know, the profession and so on. It's a bit of a business where there are good people out there and not just our, our clinic. There's good clinics out there um, and good people in the industry. And there are some real scary ones. And, you know, you just have to be careful. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you talk to patients and, you know, one of the first things they say is, well, I was getting my treatment, but they kept trying to shove product down my throat. They kept trying to change my pricing structure. 
it's all about profit. It's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a businessman. You're the medical side. It is a business and we all need to make money to provide for our families, but you know, it should never be at a, uh, at a point where we are pushing medications down people's throats and we are, you know, getting them the wrong information or giving them too much or more than they really need. I mean, you deny people medications constantly. Uh, from the clinic side, I tell people constantly, you don't need to worry about these things. Let's focus on the more important issues, the main hormones. You know, if someone's going to go on testosterone therapy, let's focus on testosterone first. You don't need to go into the peptide realm or go down the uh, rabbit hole of everything else. Yeah, I mean, I tell them it's a journey. I mean, it's a journey that's going to take months, maybe, you know, who knows how long to get people back to where they should be. And it's it's a deep rabbit hole. There's a lot of stuff that you can do. And not only stuff that we can do that is, you know, medically necessary to get them medically well, mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of stuff that we can do in terms of performance and, you know, um, health augmentation to take you to that next level of things. And if people don't want to do that, that's fine. You know, that's not for everybody, but you know, there are people out there that, that know that they want to get to that level and they, they know their safe means to do it and, and medically directed ways of doing it. And so, you know, we, we treat all kinds, there's, there's all kinds of people out there that, that, you know, may or may not want to do more or less um, with things and you know I, I think we have a lot of different avenues um, like I said I see people that are just the you know the 60 year old postmenopausal female that just wants to feel normal mm -hmm. that's been denied hormone replacement by their family doctor or OBGYN or whatever um, or post or post um, hysterectomy perhaps that you know they just feel awful and they just want to get back to normal and that's okay um, those are some of the most gratifying people to treat because they felt so lousy for so long and you just add back a few things to get them back to, to zero and they feel great I mean and then like I said there's the performance athlete that's out there that wants to take things to another level that wants to optimize their health or wants to really dial in things um, there's that level patient you know there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of different patients out there and we try to treat them all um, but you know I, I like I like working with people I like hearing their individual story um, you know one of the things that I think that we do well is that we tailor our approach to each patient you know mm -hmm. there's no no cookie cutter approach that really we should be following. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of repetition of what we do, but there's a lot of people that are very unique and not everybody, you know, responds the same way to medication. And so having different ways of doing things tailored to the patient is I think quite, quite important. So, yeah. Now when, when you talk about feeling normal, I touch on that constantly, you know, getting back to how you should be feeling, getting back to how, you know, your, your body should be performing, you know, optimizing your hormones and, you know, not, not super optimal levels, not super physiological levels, just levels that would be optimal for a normal man or woman. Um, feeling normal again, people forget what that is. I see a lot of people and they ask me like, well, what do you mean normal? I feel fine. And then when I ask them, well, do you feel fine compared to your 25 year old self? Do you feel fine? You know, I mean, most people are going to say absolutely not if they're over the age of 40 or even if they're over the age of 30 sometimes. I mean, I had a hormone decline at 30 years old and I tested my levels. I was a little under 700. Normal doctor said, you're absolutely fine. You're in normal range. Yet I had every single uh, symptom of low testosterone and hormone issues. He didn't know that I had a 
test done when I was in my early 20s that I was at a 14 to 1500 level naturally. So clearly I'm at half of what I should be. So my, you know, my optimal level is way beyond what the normal optimal level is. Yeah, and I'll tell patients that all the time. I'm like, it means less, you know, really, I mean, obviously the labs are important um, and there has to be medical justification for what we do. But I tell them, like, if you're grossly symptomatic, you know, you are putting on weight, you're insulin resistant, you're sexually having dysfunction, your, you know, mood is off, you you name it. Like, there, there's a number of different symptoms. If you're having all of these symptoms within the spectrum, then there's no harm in, in treating it to see if we get you better because, you know, the majority of men that we see and women are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe early 60s. And, you know, that's the best time of your life. That's why I tell patients, you know, this is the time when you're financially secure, your family's probably pretty set, um, you know, you kind of know where things are going with your life. You have some degree of health still, like, these are the years you want to feel your best. You don't want to wait till you're 60, 70, 80 to then be like, oh, maybe I should do something about this. You know, it's it's too late then. You know, things are going to not be um, as optimal if you can you know, do it earlier in life. And so, um, you know, I see that quite a bit, you know, in, in, in managing patients where, um, like I said, they... They, they put it off. They're like, oh, you know, wait, I'll wait till I get older because maybe I'm not old enough to have that yet. And, you know, why? You know, why, why not feel your best when you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s? Yeah, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice at that point. You know, I, I, tell, I tell basically everybody, you know, you, yes, you are feeling the decline. Do you necessarily need hormone therapy? Maybe not. Um, for health reasons, for longevity reasons yet, you will eventually. But maybe you don't need it for longevity reasons yet. But it's a lifestyle choice. Do you want to feel, you know, like you have more energy? Do you want to have a better sex drive? You know, I mean, how many how many times do we have patients coming in? I know you've heard it. I've heard it. I think there's even reviews on Google that said it. Hormone replacement therapy, what they're saying, they said it saved my marriage. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it saved my relationship. I mean, what what a what an amazing thing that is, you know? Well, I think too, you know, there's, I mean, and, and what we do isn't just that, but I mean, it's a big part of life, you know what I mean? If you, and no matter what your relationship is, you know, and what combination of relationship you have, if, if there's dysfunction there at that level, then you're going to have some problems, you know, and, and I've, I've heard that from a number of patients because one, they're, they're scared to talk about it with their family doctor or whatever healthcare provider they have Two, you know, as, as guys or maybe even women, there's anxiety about talking about it. And then three, you know, people just, you know, they're, they're kind of put off. They're like, Oh, you have stress and anxiety here. Take this anti-depression drug that mm -hmm. causes further dysfunction sexually and then see how it goes. Well, yeah. Okay. You come back in three months, you've put on 30 pounds, your sexual dysfunction is now worse. And they say, Oh, well, you know, maybe we just need to add another depression med, you know, I see that happen all the time. And so, you know, there's, there's a, it's like a constantly non-ending situation where, and again, I don't, I don't blame doctors because it's, it's what's kind of pushed into that circle, you know, as, as physicians, people are busy, docs are busy. They're seeing patients every 15 minutes. There's not a lot of time to, to do self-education. Mm -hmm. And so the education that they're, they're given is a lot of, you know, influenced by 
drug pharmaceutical sales. And so, you know, they get a lunch and they get, you know, some information on a, on a new drug that helps with X, Y, and Z problem. And so the next thing you know, they prescribe it to their patient. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how practice is dictated. It's also dictated by insurance and insurance companies that say, we will pay for this, but we won't pay for that. And so patients are kind of pigeonholed into treatment because, well, I pay for my insurance and I don't have the money to fork out for off the shelf stuff. And so, you know, I'll just do what my doctor tells me and whatever my insurance will pay for. And so that tends to be how practice is dictated. And it may not be the best thing. You know, we see that quite a bit. Patients ask me all the time, why didn't my doctor do this? Well, I don't know. Maybe ask your doctor. But, you know, and again, it's, it's hard. To, I'm not trashing doctors. It's just the way medicine has gone. It's, it's a breakdown of the profession. And um, a lot of what we do tries to bridge that gap because patients recognize there's a gap here. I see the problem with mainstream medicine and mainstream practice in general um, because I was, I, I don't want to say a victim, but I was, I was a victim to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have 15 minutes with the doctor and they kind of push you out trying to treat certain symptoms and they really don't treat any underlying problem, you know, which is kind of where we come in in a preventive medicine style and looking at hormone therapy as solving underlying issues because you and I both were taught and both learned uh, from uh, Dr. Neil Rousier all of these issues cascading from hormone therapy. You know, I mean, osteoporosis, heart issues, I mean, you know, you name it, all these issues that come with uh, all the metabolic disease that comes with the aging, you know, what happens when you age? Your hormones decline and all of these things just start to pop up. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, the whole model I feel like is broken and I feel like what we're trying to do and what our industry is trying to do in general, again, we're not the only clinic out there is we're trying to solve underlying issues, solve problems before they happen instead of treating every single individual symptom with a drug that will cause more symptoms. And I think, unfortunately, you know, we, you know, the industry kind of gets a, a, a little bit of a black eye from clinics that have done things on a shady basis in the past. And, um, you know, when, when I think there's a lot of very reputable, reputable clinics that um, are trying to do the best thing for patients and they're trying to bridge that gap in patient care um, that, you know, unfortunately you have one bad apple and it, it, it screws it up for everybody. So physicians and, you know, primary care physicians or even endocrinologists are like, oh, those guys are just, they're just scam artists, you know, and, and um, it's not true. And I mean, I see patients that'll come to us and then there'll be, you know, I always tell patients, you know, choose to share with what you wish with your family physician, by all means, tell them about what you're doing. They may or may not support it. They may or not support it because they don't understand it. Um, And so I said, you may, you may or may not um, meet resistance. If you do, then that's something you may have to deal with. Um, And I say, you know, if you want your physician to talk to me, I'm more than happy to talk to them. Um, But usually they either have anxiety about it or not. Um, So just be aware of that. Um, And I've had patients that have been strong-armed from using us to then going to see an endocrinologist, in which case the endocrinologist usually stops everything and then they feel worse. And then they circle back to us and they say, well, you know, my, my doctor told me to see this person and they stopped everything. And I say, well, how do you feel? And I say, I feel like 
crap, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? I want to get back on everything because I felt better. Um, so, you know, it's not just a feeling better situation. Like you said, there's there's medical evidence that shows this is not just anecdotal. This is, you know, double-blinded, randomized studies that show that, you know, there's less incidence of Alzheimer's disease and brain, you know, degeneration. There's there's less chances of osteoporosis and fractures as we get older. There's less incidence of heart disease and stroke as we get older. Um, there's a lot of benefit uh, from what we do in terms of the long term as well as the short term. The short term, I tell patients all the time, you know, you, the short term is you want to look better, feel better, you know, maybe sexually perform better. That's the great part of now. Mm-hmm. And then there's the great part of later, you know, um, if you can live into your 60s, 70s, 80s, feeling much better and having less symptoms of aging and all the other garbage that comes with it, then great, you know, so be it. I'm, I'm happy you brought up the endocrinologist and everything. So when I have people push back on what we do, they, they ask me, why wouldn't I just go see an endocrinologist? Why wouldn't I just go see my gynecologist for women? You know, they should know about hormones. That's what they specialize in. Why is that just really, unfortunately, not true? Um, you know, and I, I've said this out loud. I've said it on uh, episodes before. I've said it, you know, just in my speech in Dubai. If normal primary care doctors did their job and tested what we're testing and treated what we're treating and educated themselves on these processes, we wouldn't have a job. We wouldn't have a clinic. It wouldn't exist because they would be doing it for us. But you know what? Why why is it not true that uh, endocrinologists and gynecologists should should or could be able to do this? I think it's just a self perpetuating system. I mean, I think that doctors are taught by the doctors who predicate, um, you know, are before them, and that's how they were taught, and then they pass it on to how they were taught, and it's just a self predicating system. Um, you know, there are docs out there who do evidence based, you know, training, and I think. Those are probably the minority, um, but I think, you know, when you, especially when you look at, um, you know, even, you know, gynecology and obstetrics, they're influenced by their medical colleges, which are ACOG and NAMS, and, and the literature that they support basically lumps in all hormones together, not bioidentical hormones or non-bioidentical hormones or synthetic hormones. They lump them all together. Mm-hmm. If you look at the studies and you tear them down and you look at what actually was the bad agent there, then they're all the synthetic hormones or um, synthesized hormones like Premarin and um, equine estro- estrogens and, and things like that and, and progestins that do cause cancer. Um, and, you know, we get that question a lot, you know, because patients come to us and that's always the big thing, you know, am I going to get cancer from these? These cause cancer. My doctor says they cause cancer. No, uh, bioidentical hormones do not. Um, synthetic hormones do. Mm-hmm. They do increase your risk of cancer. Um, so, yeah, you have to be smart. You have to educate yourself. And, um, you know, when, when I get those questions, I, you know, challenge the patient. I'm like, if your doctor is really pushing you on this, ask them to show you the literature. Ask them to show you the studies that show it. Because if they do look, you know, bioidentical hormones do not increase your risk of cancer. It's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make them do their homework. Tell, put them to task. Ask them to do their homework. And usually, you know, if you provide the patient with some education and they provide them with some studies that they can back, take back to their doctor, usually everybody feels a little bit better about everything. I think that's a huge point you just made, that bioidentical hormones do not cause cancer. 
And, you know, obviously we're talking about using them in physiological doses, not in super physiological doses, like in bodybuilding. I can't stand when people start getting into that. What, you know, what is uh, the medical community really thinking when they say something like bioidentical hormones or, or hormones in general, you know, hormone therapy causes cancer. If that was the case, then everybody going through puberty would probably have cancer. It's, it's I mean, everybody's at super physiological levels for, you know, a period. <laughs> So much of what we do in medicine is not safe. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we do that is not safe. Mm -hmm. Statins for cholesterol problems help cholesterol very unsafe. They cause liver dysfunction. They have all kinds of problems. You know, there's there's tons of that in the in the medical community where there's a lot of things that we do. There's risk and there's benefit. Um, hopefully, the benefit outweighs the risk, but there's a lot of stuff out there that's very risky. And so, you know, yeah, there's risk with anything. There's risk with aspirin. You know, there's a lot of people that say if, if aspirin came out t today, the FDA would never approve it because it has so many side effects and so much of potential risk, which is probably true. But the reality is there's there's risk with everything. Um, and so you try to weigh the risk, and there's, there's risk with doing nothing, too. You know, I tell that to patients all the time. I'm like, well, your BMI is in the 40s and you have insulin resistance and prediabetes mm -hmm. and your cholesterol is off the chart. Um, if you do nothing, then you're probably not going to live a long life. So there's risk there. Um, you know, you have to weigh the risks and benefits with everything. There's risk with treatment. There's risk with not treating. Um, there's risk with doing what you're doing. There's risk with, you know, having no exercise and a terrible, you know, diet. Um, there's yeah. risk with that too. What would you tell people that are like resistant to this though? What would you tell people that, you know, you have the patient, you have the male or female, what would you tell them uh, to kind of, convince them to at least get things checked out because so many people are so intertwined in the mainstream medicine model, the mainstream healthcare model, the insurance company model, where it's symptom treating. It's, it's, uh, it's not looking at a preventative medicine style. So what would you tell those patients from a medical perspective? And you've been an ER doctor for how many years? You've been a doctor for how many years? So you've seen patients from all over with all kinds of different issues you know, what would you tell that patient that is resistant to it saying, well, my normal doctor should know what's going on? Well, I use the phrase a lot, you know, you pay now or you pay later. You know, people, people decide whether they want to invest in their health now um, and put a few bucks forward to, to, to keep themselves healthy mm -hmm. or you pay later with medical testing and medical drugs and things like that that are meant to fix problems that you now have developed after the last 20 years of your life. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that is in conventional medicine is not very preventative. It's it's treatment related and it's it's um, it's a, uh, abortive, meaning that, you know, we're trying to slow down, you know, when we treat someone who has diabetes, the, the, the the horse has already left the barn. You know, you have diabetes now. This diabetes drug is not going to make you less diabetic. It's you still have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So you can fool yourself to think that, yeah, this is treating my diabetes, but it's really not treating it. It's just keeping you from being symptomatic. So you still have it. It's not going away. So the goal is to prevent diabetes, you know, because that is the goal. Um, and a lot of the things that we do, you know, and a lot of things that I tell patients is the goal here is to prevent these things. And it's it takes a lot of, you know, explanation. It takes a lot of going through the labs and explaining the physiology and what's going on. And these are things that the, the docs just don't have time to do. I mean, you have 15 minutes with a patient. They go in, they're like, yeah, 
yep, everything looks good. They're normal. You're good. See you in six months. Don't eat anything bad for yourself. Goodbye. Um, take yeah. a multivitamin. Yeah, yeah. stop, it's, stop it's eating. How it is. Stop, stop eating, eating McDonald's. Garbage. Stop eating McDonald's and go take a multivitamin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's kind of how it is. But, you know, when we have time to sit down with the patient, go over the labs, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, take a, a lot of time going mm-hmm. through each blood work test line by line, explaining as I go, explaining what things mean and explaining the physiology behind it. You know, if I go through the blood work and I see that, hey, you know, your fasting glucose is 102. That's not bad, but it should be in the 90s or the 80s, maybe mm-hmm. even less than that. You might be developing some insulin resistance. You may want to have a hemoglobin A1C, a fasting insulin level, the next time we check blood work, because if you're developing insulin resistance, we want to treat that now. We want to try to get the visceral fat down off of your abdomen so that mm-hmm. you don't have fat infiltration into your liver and into your pancreas that causes insulin resistance and altered glucose metabolism, which... 10, 15, 20 years from now is going to cause all kinds of problems. So, you know, a lot of things that we do is, like I said, a lot of explanation. You know, I go through the blood work and I'm like, we need to start you on thyroid therapy and thyroid optimization. And they said, we don't have a, health, a thyroid problem. No, technically you don't, but you have a visceral fat problem, um, which comes from low testosterone and you um, thyroid uh, symptoms where your thyroid is not optimal, you having, you know, a bad diet. Um, and so thyroid, testosterone, all of these things that we do helps decrease visceral fat, which decreases that fat infiltration in the liver or fatty liver disease, mm-hmm. which causes glucose uh, uh, metabolism issues, which, you know, down the road is going to give you diabetes, prediabetes, and all those problems. Once you get diabetes... The wheels fall off. You, the yeah. cat's, you know, thrown out of the truck. Then you, you got problems with uh, somebody that's pre-diabetic. I mean, I I've seen it. Uh, I know you've seen it probably a million times. But getting somebody that's diabetic, or not diabetic, uh, you know, to the point where they're diagnosed with diabetes now, but pre-diabetic, that can be reversed to a certain extent. Yeah, by using some certain hormone therapies, by optimizing hormones, by obviously decreasing the visceral body fat. Uh, that's what really piques interest in a lot of people, a lot of patients where I tell them, you know, yeah, you may have high blood pressure, cholesterol issues, uh, you may be pre-diabetic, but optimizing your hormones can actually start to reverse all of these signs and symptoms that you're having. I mean, it's one piece of the puzzle. I mean, there's, you, you have to be metabolically tuned. You also have to have a diet that is not garbage. Um, you know, yeah, life gets in the way. You can't, you know, yeah, I get it. You know, you're not going to, most people are not going to weigh out everything that they eat and, you know, eat chicken and rice every meal. I get that. But at the same time, you can't constantly eat the wrong foods. You are what you eat. And that's really the truth. And so that's one part. You got to do some things. You got you got to do some exercise. It doesn't have to be weight training. Just go for a walk every day. Ride mm-hmm. a bike. Do something. You need to physically exert some energy so that you aren't sedentary. You know. So those three things. You know, diet, exercise, and then being metabolically tuned is very important. It's just like a vehicle. You know, if you if you tune the engine but put garbage gas in it, it's going to run mm-hmm. terribly. If you don't take care of it and you know that kind of stuff, it's going to be it's, it's not going to last. 
class. So it's the same thing. I mean, um, but like I said, I mean, I try to go through the blood work with patients just to kind of explain, well, these are the reasons why we're doing these things. Yeah, this is the reason why you want to have an optimal testosterone level. You want to have an optimal thyroid level. You want these things to be taken care of because down the road, if you don't, these are the things that are going to happen. And we'll see it, you know, all the time. You know, patients will come in and their, their liver functions will be slightly elevated and they'll say, well, what's that from? Well, that's from fatty liver disease. That's from fat infiltrating into your liver, which is causing dysfunction. And that's what's causing these blood work tests to be abnormal. Well, what do I do about that? Lose some weight. Mm-hmm. Losing some weight is, uh, is a really easy, uh, quick fix for most problems. I mean, it's uh, the one thing that I've seen in the past was men and women getting on hormone therapy, one of the first things they say, well, I'm like, you know, you're going to need to exercise and diet. When they ask me my opinion, obviously, after the consultations with uh, you or any of the practitioners, I said, well, exercise and diet is part of it. One of the things they tell me is, well, I don't have energy to do it. And when I talk to them about hormone therapy, I said, but you will, you know, and that's one of the best things about it. You optimize somebody's hormones you know, you have low energy. Yeah, of course you don't want to work out. Of course you don't want to eat healthy. You're going to stress eat. You're going to eat a tub of ice cream at night. Once your body starts performing better because of the, you know, elevation in hormones, because of the optimal hormones, you'll start to perform better. You'll start to have more energy. You're going to be able to exercise better. You're going to, you're going to be able to do everything that you used to do maybe when you were younger. And then when you eat that cheeseburger, you know, when you have that cheat meal, you're out on the road and you eat that cheeseburger, you're not going to gain five pounds of fat from it. You're going to be able to process it better because your yeah. metabolism and your and your entire lifestyle is going to change. And I, you know, like I said, I see I see that so often with, and people just get so discouraged. And there's then there's the, you know the medications that we use that are used. Like I said, medications for anxiety, which stimulate your appetite, cause you to have fatigue, cause you to be tired, cause you to you know have weight gain. And so it's like this never-ending cycle of perpetuation where you know people are like get even more discouraged because they put on more weight you know mm-hmm. um you know so there, there's a lot of there's a lot that goes to it i mean i think like i said every patient is is unique um everybody has something different metabolically um and sometimes it can be the smallest tweak that makes the largest of differences um but you know some people you know they've gone off the rails a little bit and so it takes time to get them back on on track and um you know get some of these things um back back to where they should be Um, and it takes commitment from the patient too i mean it's not just a medication i mean just a medication i tell people all the time especially men you know when we do testosterone therapy i'm like this isn't a magic pill Mm -hmm. you're not going to take this and then wake up tomorrow looking like your favorite bodybuilder it doesn't work that way but but if you do some things, if you exercise, even if you just be active, you're going to see changes in your body composition because now your body's going to have the tools to work with and are going to use those tools to do the right things. And so, you know, <clears throat> if they have a, a adequate amounts of growth hormone, if they have adequate amounts of testosterone, mm-hmm. your body's going to put on muscle mass. Your body's going to you know, have different changes in body composition, less mid-abdominal fat deposition. There's going to be a lot of those things that are going to happen over time that are going to really change how you look, um, you know. And so, uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of happy people out there that have, you know, <laughs> taken our advice and, and done the things that we tell them to do. And most of the time, if they, they're like, hey, you know, I did those things you told me to do. And yeah, yeah I made some 
big changes. You know? Outside of the hormone stuff, outside of the peptides, everything like that, the clinic up in Pittsburgh, you have some new state-of-the-art machines that we have up there that we're offering to patients. Yeah. And I noticed because I see you almost uh, at least a few times a week on videos or uh, in pictures, I, I think you have less wrinkles. Tell me why you have less wrinkles, Dr. Clark. Well, you know, um, I, I, I like to uh, partake in as much as I can with technology. So, you know, some of the things that we, we are doing um, is uh, technology um, made by a company called InMode. InMode is one of the fastest growing companies in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they offer some really cool medical technology. Some of the things that they do are, are based around radio frequency, um, fat ablation, and skin tightening. And so, explain fat ablation real quick before I yeah, before you so, keep going. So their devices basically look at focusing on subcutaneous fat, um, either in the face, anywhere in the body. Um, that say, for instance, you lost some weight and now you have some loose skin. So that subcutaneous fat or loose skin there, um, you know, it's not causing you. Major your problems but you know maybe mentally what have you you'd like to get rid of that mm -hmm. so what this technology does is it sends pulses of radio frequency into that subcutaneous tissue it causes the fat cells to break and then those fat cells are reabsorbed and then things tighten okay um Thought a lot of the technology that we're doing is non-invasive, so it doesn't hurt, um, but just gets a little warm. Um, then there's also the microneedling, which has been around for years that a lot of estheticians and so on do uh, to get rid of fine lines, wrinkles, and so on. We have combination technology, which takes that radio frequency and the microneedling and combines it. So the microneedle goes in, it superheats with the radio frequency and then withdraws. And so you get almost like a shrink wrapping effect. So the needle goes in, it gets super hot, it withdraws within a millisecond and that frequency and um, that fat uh, melting really is what happens, causes like a shrink wrap effect. Okay. So, I mean, are you, are you literally melting fat though? Is it literally uh, destroying the fat cell and then you excrete it On somehow? On a microscopic scale, yes. Yes. And so um, it's, it's causing like a lifting effect, a tightening effect, and you can do it anywhere. So, you know, obviously the face is where most people focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a young lady who's doing her uh, area above her knees because she had lost some weight. She's very active, um, very fit. And so the skin right above her kneecaps kind of droops a little bit. And so she'd like to see that get better. So we use the microneedling technology to do that. And after a couple of treatments, it kind of tightens those areas so that the skin's not as droopy and so on. So like my abs and love handles aren't as tight as they used to be, Dr. Clark? Yeah, you don't have any love handles. <laughs> Just a little bit. I'm from yeah. Ohio. We have a little bit of that love handle issue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, so I mean, it works really well. I mean, you can put this stuff, you can do this anywhere on the body, um, anywhere there's a problem area. Under the arms is a big one for women. Um, scars, uh, you can use it on any type of scar. So C-section scars, stretch wow. marks, anything like that. It causes that collagen to, to then proliferate under that area. And so that helps kind of tighten things as well and helps kind of fill in scars. So yeah, some really cool stuff. I mean, um, it really is has it? a lot of utility. 
the first thing people are going to ask as soon as they watch this video or as soon as they see the posts on social media, is it expensive? That's what people are going to ask. How much does it cost? Because well, you know, yeah, you're going I mean, to think. There's different costs depending on the packages. I mean, I think usually with the microneedling, you know, we see after the first treatment, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I see that, that improved quite a bit. The second, after the second treatment, mm. it's kind of wowish. After the third or fourth treatment, it's really impressive. So, you know, most packages are anywhere from one to three treatments. Um, so it kind of depends if you want to do one treatment or you want to do three treatments, you know, in terms of the packages. It's very affordable. Um, there's, um, you know, financing options with some of the stuff that we do. There's memberships with some of the stuff we do. So there's a lot of different options, you know, from all different price points in terms of whether it's affordable or not. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you can do a whole face um, for fairly minimal cost. Um, and, and so, you know, and it's not something that you do every week, you know, there's some of the things you can do every week, but for a face, for instance, that's something you would do once a month, perhaps, you know, so, um, you know, and, and it's not something that you're tied into doing long-term. You can do one or three or so many treatments and then not do it anymore, or you can choose to do more down the road if you want to. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the reduction in fine lines and wrinkles is pretty impressive. Um, you know, it really does does do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, and of course, you know, when I got the equipment, you know, I experimented on some family members and, you know, they were quite impressed. I believe you said you, uh, you did it on, was it, I don't remember, your mother, your aunt? My mom, yeah, my mom was my guinea pig. So she's had three facial treatments now, and um, she she has really had a great result. Um, and you know, the downtime is pretty minimal. Usually, you get a little redness the first day, second day you may have a, a little bit of swelling, uh, and so depending on your complexion type. I mean, I just did my face two days ago, mm -hmm. and so I don't have any side effects right now. I mean, the first night felt like a little like a sunburn, but the next day nothing. So everybody's skin types a little difference so i always tell patients you know if you have a really you know light complexion you may have a little bit more than than not um everybody's a little different but for the most part it's it's pretty minimal downtime um and it's just a topical anesthetic and that's it i might be coming up to pennsylvania because i don't like doing cardio anymore so i'm gonna have that all over my body get the abs back <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Man. Get, my, we'll, get we'll myself get myself looking back in contest shape again. Yeah, we'll hook you up. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it, and you know, it's it's not just for women. You know, guys are like, oh, you know, it's for women. I wouldn't do that stuff. You know, it's not just for women. You know, hey, guys want to look good too. You know, it's so. twenty. It's twenty twenty two. We all need to look good. We're we all want to exactly. look good into into. No uh, yeah, no. the growth hormone and the peptides. I mean, I'm seventy eight years old. I look great. I look great, <laughs> Doctor Clark. All thanks to you. <laughs> that's right that's right we'll keep you moving we'll keep you perfect. moving we gotta keep perfect. the company going that's the and that's the whole that's the whole goal it's not all about you know just aspire rejuvenation clinics you know and us expanding it's about the whole industry it's about disrupting the negatives in the medical industry uh that's that's really my goal i know it's your goal as well you see it firsthand you're still in the emergency room you're still in the emergency department you know which soon i'm going to be pulling you out of there full time uh <laughs> and uh you know maybe maybe trying to convince you to move down to florida uh to uh, help me down here but you know the expansion plans that we have uh i i made a goal last year that i want to have a clinic in every state and we're in the process of doing that and the talks of doing that. So I want to have an Aspire Rejuvenation Clinic in every single state so someone has a clinic to go into so they can walk in. Uh, they feel confident that we are going to be there. We're not going in there anywhere because, again, you know, there are bad apples in the industry. 
we are not one of them. We want to treat every patient like their family. And, you know, we're on a first name basis with hundreds and hundreds. I mean, we have thousands of patients across the country. Uh, so, you know, we're on a first name basis with them because we really care about their health. We really actually care about what is going on in their life. We want them to thrive. We want them to flourish. And that's the difference between us. It's, it's a patient care, customer service aspect that is lost in medicine. It's not there anymore, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I see it every day in the emergency department. I see people that come in that are just, you know, in their thirties and forties that are just metabolically wrecked. And, um, you know, they're there because, you know, they have some issue that may or not be an emergency, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, they feel like they feel like garbage, you know, and it's it's I, I wish I could take each one of them and be like, just, you know, take some time and get yourself right. You know, um, That's there's, it. there's so much you can do and so much you can do to get your health better. Um, it takes some personal investment. It may take a little bit of financial investment. Um, it may take, you know, a little bit of change in your philosophy of how you do things with diet and exercise. But, um, you know, if I can do it with the amount of hours that I'm working, if you can do it with the amount of hours you're working, anybody can do it. It's just, yes. you know, how do you want to spend your time? You know, do you want to spend your time with an hour in front of the TV or you want to spend your time on an exercise bike? You know, it's all about it's, commitment and it's time. The life spot. You know? it's, it's the lifestyle. It's about extending that health span, you know, the time you're alive and healthy. I mean, you know, what's the point of living to 80 years old, which I, you know, what is the average uh, – uh, lifespan, 70 something years old. What's the point of living to that age? If you're going to feel like crap for the last 20 years of it, if you're going to be crippled for the last 20 years of it. So, you know, this is a lifestyle issue. We, we want you to be healthy, optimal. We want you to feel amazing all the way until, you know, the day that the day that you're gone. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. We don't, we have limited time on the earth. So, and make the and best there's, of it. there's no there's no age limit on this stuff. I get that asked that question asked me a lot. You know, what, how old's too old? Never too old. I mean, mm -hmm. is you ever too old to feel better? Never. You know, my mom's seventy. <laughs> my mom's seventy. She's on everything. She feels great. She had a hysterectomy a number of years ago and and has felt miserable for years. And um, you know, interestingly, one of the things that has drastically gotten better for her since being on hormone replacement therapy, especially estrogen is that her, her pain's gotten better. She had horrible arthritic pain and, um, you know, getting on estrogen, it's, you know, basically gone. And um, she's just completely changed in terms of her energy levels and her pain levels and things like that, that, you know, she's a very active person. Um, and so, you know, to have those issues, you know, it's been a life changer for her. So, um, you know, there's, you're never too old to feel better, you know? So for people out there that think, well, you know, I'm too old for that, or I can't do that because of this problem or that problem. There's most times you can do something, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things that we can do. So, um, you know, I know, you know, we talk about it all the time, you know, Seth talks about it all the time on his podcast, get your stuff checked, get your labs checked. If for no other reason, just to see where you're at for your baseline. And I tell patients all the time, you don't have to do anything. If you just want to see where your blood works at and have us check that and mm -hmm. have us explain things, that's totally fine. But at least know where you're at. Everybody should know where they're at in terms of their blood work, especially as you get into your 30s and 40s, um, to see if there's any red flags and things that need to be addressed. Um, and then, you know, go from there. You know, yeah. um, doesn't take much. doesn't take much. Well, Doc, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I'm sure you have more work to do. I hope you have no more work to yeah. do and you get to drive that oh, K20 all weekend. Today. 
Yeah, more consults today. Um, you know, like I said, you know, reach out, have us take a look at you, check your blood work. Um, either myself, Kaya, Alexis, um, you know, have us take a look at you. Reach out to the office. Talk to any of the folks at the office. Obviously, you know, they can't give you medical advice, but they can help steer you on which way to go. Um, and, you know, like I said, they all have great amounts of knowledge. We have, we've built a great team. Um, and so, you know, they can talk to you. They can talk to me. They can talk to anybody in the office, um, you know, about some just where do I go from here? How do I get yeah. started? You know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the first step. Once you get started, everything's good from there. Everything's easy from there. Yeah, and if you guys want more information uh, about Aspire Rejuvenation, about Aspire Pittsburgh, links below, click in the bio. You guys, if this helped you at all, if it is anything that is going to help somebody that you know, that you love, somebody in your family, share the video, like, comment, subscribe. We have a lot more information coming. I have a lot more guests coming on, one of them being Seth Ferrosi, our buddy, the HWMFer. Uh, he is going to be on the podcast soon. I will be seeing him in Pittsburgh and hopefully driving Dr. Clark's K20. It's going to be right. interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Clark. Right. No problem, guys. Take, well, take care of yourself and come see us.